Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. We are in the fourth week of our sermon series called Faithful and Wise, where we are looking at God's gifts to us, to his church, and how we can be faithful and wise stewards of those. This week, our focus is on this, that God gives us all calls, and how are we faithful to those calls? How are we wise with the way we live out all the callings in our life? The basis for our sermon this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 12. You find that on page 9 in your worship guide or the screen behind me. The Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We all have calls. We all have them. So why don't we talk about it that way? If you could update the slides, I don't think the slides loaded uh, onto this one, but I want you to picture this. We all have calls in our life, but typically we don't really talk that way. I'm not calling us out for the way we talk about calls, but God's word is. God's word is is calling us out in order to get us to think bigger and better about the calls that we have in our life. He wants us to think bigger, more expansively, and, and better, more scripturally, about the fact that God has given each and every one of you callings in your life. Now, let's talk about maybe the way we usually hear about calls in church circles. Maybe this is your experience, maybe not. But typically, if you hear someone talk about a call that they have, what does that mean? Well, usually it refers to someone talking about their call uh, into ministry, that God has called them to serve in a specific place as a pastor, or maybe a teacher, or an evangelist, or a staff minister, or, or some kind of role in the church. But that's just one of the ways that God talks about calls. It's the biblical teaching or the doctrine of 
the divine call. And where does that come from? Well, let me share some scriptural passages with you. First, here's what the doctrine of the call means, that that someone is called to serve someplace. Ephesians 4 said this, that it was Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And why? Well, Ephesians 4 goes on to explain it's for, well, here it is, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. It's to carry out the mission and the ministry of the church, that God has called people to be pastors, teachers, staff ministers, worship directors, evangelists. Okay, that's the first one. Here's the second thing we know is that Hebrews tells us this. No one takes this honor, talking about gospel ministry on himself, but it is God, but he must be called by God. It's God who not only establishes the fact that Pastors and teachers are to be called into ministry. But he also does the calling. Think about that. And you're like, wait, how does that work? Well, let me show you a little illustration. It used to be in biblical times that God would give direct calls to people. You think about Moses and the burning bush. How did God call him? By speaking directly to him through a burning bush. How did God call the apostles? Like, well, for example, let's just talk about all of them, but maybe the last one, the apostle Paul. God came to him and in a bright light spoke directly to him, calling him into ministry. But now God doesn't call people that way. He calls people indirectly. He calls people through his church, through the passages that we just talked about. God calls people to ministry. We see that in Acts chapter one, right away after Christ ascends into heaven, he gives his apostles, the disciples, the way that we see in scripture to call others to be in ministry, that they get together and the church, the body of Christ, suggests people that could fit the qualifications that God gives out in scripture. Second, they vote on someone after giving thought and prayer, and then they called Matthias to replace Judas. And we see that today. Recently, I shared with you guys that I had really two calls, one to serve at a pastor in Canada and the other here in Fredericksburg at The Way. And that you can't have two calls into public ministry in two places. And so I decided to return the call to Canada and be the pastor here in Fredericksburg still together. So that's a call to serve somewhere, God's call into public ministry. Why am I sharing this at the start of our sermon? Well, one, it's good to know. It's good to know as the Christian church, how the church calls people to serve in public ministry, but also to get it out of the way. In other words, what I mean is, it's usually one way that we talk about calls in a church, but we hear that word call and let me ask, is it? the first thing that comes up in your mind when you talk about callings in life, that, well, some people serve as pastors and teachers and in ministry positions. Well, it's actually not the primary way that God talks about calls throughout scripture. He says that you all, all of us, Christian people have calls. And we're gonna look at 2 Peter and how 2 Peter talks at three calls that all of you have in your life. It is a call to be someone. It is a God's call to you, to faith, a call out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's a call to be someone, but also to be someone's, to be God's very own. 
you have a call to also proclaim someone. This is God's call to you to be royal priests. And finally, God's call to reflect someone. God's call for us to live godly lives. So let's go through these. The first one that we read before from 2 Peter chapter 2 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. His wonderful light, excuse me. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's call to you to be someone, for us to be some people that we used to not be. This is God's call to you to saving faith. And this, my friends, is the primary calling that God talks about in scripture when he talks about the calls that we all have in life. It is call to saving faith. It is call out of the darkness of our sin into life and light with our Lord and Savior. It is a call for people who did not have mercy, who only knew God's wrath, only knew separation from God because of our sin, who only knew the punishment and life outside of Christ, to a new and different life, a life where you now know that you have received mercy. You are his. He has chosen you. He has pardoned all of your sins, and he has given you freedom and life and light in him. It is a call to be someone and also a call to be someone's, to be God's special position, possession. It's kind of funny, kind of blunt, says, you used to be a nobody. You used to be a nobody who is going nowhere fast because of our life outside of Christ. But he said, I've called you to now be a people, to be a people that is God's special possession. All right, we got to get in the magic school bus or the DeLorean and, and go back into time and see what God is doing here in his word. He's, he's connecting the dots. The dots between Exodus chapter 19, which we read before, and Israel's Old Testament history, and your life as a believer in the New Testament. Back up even further still, God called Abraham to be the father of many nations. He said, all nations would be blessed through you. From that came Jacob, and Jacob then was the father of the nation of Israel, and God reiterated the promise to him and all the patriarchs that they would be a special nation. Then God saw that they were captured in Israel. He's the one who saved them and brought them out of slavery in Egypt, and God reiterated the promise again. You're going to be a special people to me. You're going to be a holy nation. We read it before, but you heard it. It was a two-sided covenant that God had made to them. An if-then statement. That you're going to be this if you obey me fully and keep my commandments. Then you will be that. Then you will be a nation that is my treasured possession. A nation that is a kingdom of priests. A nation that is holy. And you know what happened to Israel? That didn't happen. They didn't keep God's covenant fully. At every turn, they went 
away from God's will and God's command for them. And yet what was the result? God didn't cast all of Israel and humanity aside, but we saw his plan of salvation come about. Israel was set aside for a reason, and it was to bring his Savior into the world, his Son, our Savior, and for us, make a one-sided covenant. Not a two-sided covenant that says, if you do this, then you will be that, but you will be my people. You used to not be a people, but now you are my people. You are my people because my Savior has come. And what you see here in 2 Peter chapter 2, is the fulfillment of all God's promises to redeem the crown of his creation, to buy them back. You see God rip into this sinful world and claim for himself his people, his prized possession. You see God look at a group of people who were stuck in a path that wasn't good, who had a destination that was just for damnation. And what did he do? He changed all that. He plunged into the darkness and gave them a brand new set of designations, names. He said, you are a chosen people. You are wanted by God. God wants you to be with him forever. You're royal We'll get to priesthood in a little bit. But you're royal. You're you're not just common. You are someone who is very special to God. You're holy. You are without sin. You are, to God, without fault. You're a nation. You're not just a singular person on an island yourself, but you're a part of God's group of people. And you're a special possession. You're not just someone's special possession. You are God's special possession. He claimed you. He wanted you for his very own. Look, the Holy Spirit does not use small titles or diminutive words to describe who God has called you to be. You are a holy people, holy nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. This is the primary calling that God has given to us all, a call for us all to be someone. Rick Rubin is a very, very famous producer, and Rick Rubin has produced music for a ton of different bands. He's produced for Neil Young and for uh, Tom Petty, Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Jay-Z, Adele, a whole list of people. And he recently came out with a book about creativity, just came out like last week, so I haven't read it yet. But in an interview about that book, he said a line, a quote that really stood out to me. He said, I set out to write a book about what to do to make a great work of art. Instead, it, his book, revealed itself to be a book on how to be. Rick Rubin was not talking about Christianity or spirituality one bit. But when he said that, it was, it was an aha moment for me because, well, within his thinking about how to write a book is a flaw that is common to us all about the calls that we have on our life. So often as we think about our callings in life, don't we do that? 
We think first and foremost that, oh, I need, I need to do something. I need to do something that's special, a work of art, something great. Christians, we, we even approach our callings in life that we know that God's word says things about our purpose, our identity, and, and what we're supposed to do in life. So we flip through pages of scripture, like, oh, what am I supposed to do? What am I, what am I supposed to do? But primarily, the number one call that God has given you is not to do something. It's to be someone. It's God's special possession. A chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That is who God has called you to be. And God's called you to be that by doing all of the verbs for you, by doing all of the things for you and bringing you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what's next? Well, consider this, all the reasons that God made you to be who you are. What does he say? He said, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What we're looking at is number two, the second call that God has given you. It's a call to proclaim someone. It's a call to proclaim Christ. And it's a call for you to be in God's royal priesthood. What does that mean? Well, the doctrine or the biblical teaching of the royal priesthood means this. It means first that God has called you to be someone, to be someone's. And because God has called you to be someone's, you are right with God. You're justified. And that means that all people are on equal footing. There's no one in the kingdom of God who is greater and more special of a chosen person than anybody else. And so what does that mean? I hate to break it to you, but I don't have any special connection with God because I'm a pastor. I don't have a more direct line to him through my prayers than you do. What God's word says is that we are all priests in the priesthood of all believers in God's kingdoms. That's the first thing that it means, that every Christian person first has a calling to be a priest. Second, that there is no special access that one person has over another. No, you have complete and full access to your God. And third, here's what it means. You're called to do what priests do. You're called to do what priests do. You're called to declare the praises of someone, to declare the praises of the one, Christ Jesus, who went into the darkness and called you out into his light. You're called to proclaim his excellencies, or the King James Version, show the praises of God. That is what you're called to do. As you consider that calling, the calling that God has unmistakably given in your life. How well do we do that? Live lives as priests. Perhaps more than any other, this is a calling that we look at, maybe feel a little called out about. Do we take it upon ourselves to speak words? That's what priests do. Speak words not their own, but God's words to people. 
Or have we abdicated that royal position? Look, in... uh, 1936, there was a bit of a conundrum in Great Britain. See, for the first time ever, a king willingly by himself abdicated the throne. King Edward VIII decided that he no longer wanted to be king. And why? Well, back up a little bit. His allegiances were divided, and not even divided. He was supposed to be someone who had a duty to to serve British Empire. And yet, he wanted to marry someone by the name of Willis Simpson, someone who was, to be frank, living an immoral life. She was presently married when she was having an affair with the king, seeking a divorce, and people suspected that she didn't really love the king, but she was just going after some power and some money. And yet, the king said, no way, I want to marry her. And the entire British Empire and those who were in charge in Parliament said, you can't do that. And so he abdicated. He left his position. And in a speech, he said, I found it impossible to do my job as a king without being married to the woman that I love. So he abdicated. He left his royal position. And why? Well, history doesn't remember him as a king, but history remembers him now as the Duke of Windsor. And why? Well, ask his countrymen, ask his family, and they'll say it's because his allegiances were divided. As much as he said he loved England, he didn't love it more than he loved the woman he wanted to be with. As much as he said he wanted to serve as king, he wanted to do his own thing. God has called you to be royal, not a king, but a royal priest. He's given you a duty that, yeah, it's weighty. It has responsibilities. And it is to proclaim someone. It's to proclaim Christ. Don't abdicate your position. Perhaps, I said it before, perhaps more than any other, when we examine this calling in our life, it's one that can make us feel a little called out. So what do you do? What do priests do? Look at yourself in the mirror. Who are you? This isn't some new age self-help maneuver to speak affirmations to yourself. I'm serious. Look in the mirror and answer that question. Who are you? This is not some just technique to build up yourself. This is what priests do. They speak words. They speak words, the gospel, to themselves to themselves first and foremost. What words do you speak? It's these words that God has called to you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And you are not this just because you just so happen to be born into this family. You are not in this position, in this calling, because it's your duty and you just got to do it. No, you are here because Christ Jesus came for you, called to you, called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That is who you are. You are called to be someone, to be someone's, and proclaim his praises. You might be saying to yourself, oh my goodness, I I can't preach sermons. I don't have a whole lot of passages memorized. How do I do that? 
Well, it's not just speaking words. The third calling that God has given in our life is this. It's a call to reflect someone. It is a call to reflect our Savior's love and his light into all of our vocations and to live out our lives in all of the callings that God has given us as holy vocations. Here's what we read in the final two verses. God's word says this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they are accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. First look, God gives you several titles. You are a chosen person, a royal priest. You are a person in a holy nation. You're God's special possession. But don't forget these. These are two other titles that God gives you. He's called you to be foreigners and exiles. What does that mean? It means I'm a stranger here. Heaven is my home. It means, yes, we live in this world, a sinful world. And yes, I am a royal priest, but this is not my country. This is, this is not what I'm a part of. And so God's word says this, live that way. How do you live that way? Well, he said, first, abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Let me talk about these sinful desires. Not so much sinful desires uh, to do sinful actions. How about these sinful desires? To just forget your call. A sinful desire that comes into your mind and says, you're unimportant. And, and not just unimportant, you're unworthy. That's a sinful desire. That's the devil speaking something that looks to wage war against our soul. That's not who you are. Live such godly lives that, no, no, you remember your calling. I'm, I'm a chosen person. There's a sinful desire. You messed up and God does not love you. You messed up and God no longer wants you a part of his family. That's a sinful desire. That's waging war on your soul and oppressing you with guilt and shame. What does God's word say? No, you're called to be someone. You're called to be someone who is holy. You're called to be someone who is a part of God's family. You are a part of a holy nation. You're God's special possession. Remember that. Remember that because we live in a world that, what does God say about this world? No, not that this world is full of terribleness and unholiness, though it is. He says it's full of desires that are unholy. And he said to live in that. Live in that. You as a holy person, live in that. And what you do by that, would you make all of your callings, all of your vocations in life holy? He says one more thing. Verse 12. He says, Live such godly lives, good lives, among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That phrase, though they accuse you, they glorify God, it takes us back to Jesus' sermon. Jesus' sermon where he says, you are salt and you are light. You are to reflect the glory of God for one purpose and one purpose only, that they see it. They see you, and in you, they see Christ. And it says something very strange, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
they glorify God. How would they accuse you of doing wrong if you're living as light? Well, think about this. What's a a criticism that non-Christian people often give about Christians? That you're hypocrites. And you think about how much that accusation might stick if you go around letting people know about your callings, that you are someone. You're someone's. And you're called to proclaim someone. Think about that. If you went around telling people that you are a chosen person, that you are a royal priest, that you are who God has called you to be, a a part of a holy nation and God's special possession. Imagine if you did that, if you truly lived out those callings that God has given you. But you still sin. I mean, you and I both know it. It's not a secret. You can't exactly hide it. Not all the time. What's someone to say? You're a hypocrite. You're not a special possession. You're not a holy nation. You do things that are wrong. Are you gods? How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that and give witness, give proclamation to to authentic Christianity? Well, if all you do is proclaim yourself and your good deeds and how moral you are and how you abstain from all sinful desires, that's not, that's not true because we mess up, we, we sin. So here is how, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. You answer the calls that God has given to us all. What does it look like if, if someone comes and says to you, you know what, I, I hear you talking about how you're called to be someone, how you're called to be God's special possession, how you're called to be a holy nation, but I, I see you doing things that are wrong. Say, you're right. That's true. But I gotta tell you, I once didn't used to be a person at all, but God's called me to be someone, his special possession. I used to not know what mercy was, but then I received it. And I received it because God has called me out of darkness into his wonderful light to be someone different. And yes, this world, my flesh, it wages a war on my soul. But I'm someone, not by what I do, but because of someone. Can I proclaim, can I tell you about someone's excellencies? It's a God who gives me his mercy. Again and again and again, Yeah, even when I don't deserve it. Because you're right, I don't always live who I'm supposed to be, but I can proclaim to you someone who is always faithful to me. And you see what you're doing? You're reflecting, not yourself, but Christ's love to you. Christian friends, God has given us calls. Each and every one of you, multiple calls in your life, more than these than we've even, even, even talked about this morning. Here you're God calling to you. You weren't a person. (laughs) You were nobody. But I've called you to be mine, my special possession. I've called you to be someone, to proclaim my love and reflect it in your life. May God bless you as you live out those callings. Amen. 